a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. Hello and welcome to this edition of Global Business on CGTN. I'm Guanxing in Beijing. Coming up in the program. Fresh momentum, China's service trade witnessed a significant growth of 9% year-on-year in the first 11 months of 2023, reflecting a vibrant vitality. Slowing growth, global GDP growth is projected to second in at 2.4% in 2024, while inflation is estimated to reach 3.9%, says the U.S. Integrated development. The Chinese central government wanting to integrate urban and rural development has prompted farmers to explore new sales models like live streaming to expand their market presence. China's service trade experienced steady growth in the first 11 months of 2023. The country's total service imports and exports reached 5.89 trillion yuan or 830 billion U.S. dollars from January to November, representing a 9% increase over the same period in 2022. One notable area of growth in China's service trade is the travel sector. Services related to tourism experienced a significant surge, with total trade in this sector increasing by 73.5% compared to the same period in the previous year. Additionally, services in knowledge-intensive industries also maintained steady growth, rising by 8.3% on a yearly basis. China has initiated a three-year campaign aimed at promoting the utilization of data as a factor of production in various scenarios. And this strategic move is expected to generate a multiple-year effect, ultimately boosting the country's economy. The National Data Administration is collaborating with other government units, has jointly issued a comprehensive three-year plan. This plan specifically outlines 12 industries and areas where the value of data will be fully harnessed. These sectors include industrial manufacturing, modern agriculture, commercial circulation and transport, and medical services. Over the next three years, China will intensify its efforts to promote the advanced application of data, ensuring the quality of data supply, improving the environment for data circulation, and strengthening data security within these sectors. Additionally, China has set a target of achieving a 20% annual growth rate in its digital industry over the next three years. Eight years ago, on January the 5th, 2016, President Xi Jinping emphasized the importance of promoting the development of the Yangtze River economic belt. In the same year, a green development guideline was introduced, emphasizing that economic activities should not come at the expense of the ecological environment. The Yangtze River economic delta, which encompasses 11 provinces and municipalities and contributes to nearly half of China's economy, has now achieved the balance between economic development and ecological protection. Our reporter Yu Bokun visited a sewage treatment plant to explore the innovative solutions implemented to secure the future of this iconic river. This cup of coffee is made from wastewater. I heard from friends that you can find coffee made from sewage here. I was curious about it. I think the taste quite good. The coffee smells good. You might be skeptical about the idea of drinking water that used to be sewage, swirling down in your kitchen sink or even toilet. But rest assured, the technology used here will make sure that the water is safe to consume. And that is to say, you can find the dirtiest water in the world and then transforming that into refreshing drinks. The water is from China's first concept wastewater treatment plant. 
From the outside, it's difficult to tell if it's artistic architecture or a sewage plant. The factory director here showed me around to see the process of sewage treatment. I can barely smell a trace of foul odor throughout the journey. This plant can process 20,000 tons sewage daily, and the entire process takes about 20 hours. The uniqueness of the plant is not just about its architectural style, but also the cutting-edge technologies it applied. The plant discards the old idea of burning energy to remove organics, isolate nutrients, and expel phosphorus. Instead, it drew inspiration from closed-loop, energy-neutral, and toilet-to-tap systems. When we talk about sewage treatment plants, first impressions may be that they are ugly and smelly, but it should be a place that creates value for people. So we hope to create this concept plant to change people's stereotypes about sewage treatment plants. The average capacity of this plant is only 20,000 tons of wastewater per day. That is compared with 20 million tons of used water that China treats daily. The idea demonstrates that China's ambition is to become the leader rather than the follower in the wastewater industry. There are currently over 5,000 sewage treatment plants in China, and our treatment rate has reached a level of nearly 98 percent. That also indicates that China has made tremendous achievements in pollution control and urban infrastructure construction. Meanwhile, achievements in water protection can boost economic development. We did research regarding the Yangtze River Economic Belt, which showed that investment in sewage treatment facilities increased along with the development of the region's economy. The government has set targets of reaching 95% wastewater treatment for all county-level cities. There is substantial demand in China for technology that can clean and recycle water. Improving the quality of used water will lift people's living standards. That's because sewage is an important water resource. Many cities are actively promoting sewage regeneration, as it can be used for watering gardens, washing cars, or being replenished into rivers. Experts also say that upgrading the country's sewage treatment capacities will serve a crucial role in China's efforts to pursue high-quality development along the Yangtze River. And now, for more insights on green development of the Yangtze River, we're joined by Jiang Changming, a professor of the University of International Business and Economics. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor Jiang. So, how does the three-year action plan aim to leverage data to drive green development? Oh, thank you for this great question.、Um, I believe that data can empower green development in the Yangtze River Economic Belt or the、uh, YREB, mainly in two ways.、Uh, first, data can help evaluate the green development level and characteristics of different cities and regions in the YREB, based on indicators、uh, such as ecological, economic, and social dimensions.、Uh, this can support formulating more targeted and effective policies and measures for each area. Uh, second, uh, data can help measure the impacts of green technological innovation and environmental regulation on the green development in YEB. This can help identify the best practices and the moderation effects of different factors on the green development outcomes. And what strategies can businesses employ to harness the potential of digitalization and accelerate the transition to a low-carbon economy? Sure.、Um, I think business can tap into the potential of digitalization to speed up their、uh, low-carbon transition in various ways.、Uh, for example, digitalization can help businesses to optimize their industrial structure 
uh, adjust their energy mix, uh, improve their governance efficiency, and then change their production and consumption patterns, uh, which can reduce their carbon emissions and enhance their competitiveness. Uh, also, um, digitalization can help businesses to leverage technologies such as uh, data analytics, uh, AI, uh, cloud computing, and Internet of Things um, to monitor and manage their energy use uh, to improve their energy efficiency and to increase their renewable energy penetration. Uh, moreover, digitalization can help create new business models uh, and also platforms that enable circular economy, uh, sharing economy, and green finance, which can foster collaboration in innovation among different stakeholders and sectors, uh, as well as creating value from waste and uh, underutilized resources. And how has the Yangtze River Economy Belt facilitated the integration of innovation chains and the modernization of industrial chains? Well, sure. Um, the uh, YEB has contributed to the integration of the innovation chains and the modernization of the you know, industrial chains in several ways. Uh, first, uh, I think the YEB has taken innovation in science and technology as the driving force and actively explore new sectors and tracks for development, uh, such as the advanced manufacturing, digital economy, biotechnology, and green energy. Um, second, uh, I think the YEB has reinforced the integration of innovation chains in the region by strengthening the collaboration and coordination among different actors, such as the universities, uh, research institutes, enterprises, and also, of course, the government. Uh, and building platforms and mechanisms for knowledge sharing and technology uh, transfer. Mm. Uh, last but not least, uh, I think that YEB has moved forward the modernization of supply and industrial chains by upgrading the industrial structure, uh, improving the quality and efficiency of products and services, and also enhancing the environmental and social performance of industries. Mm. And could you help us understand the achievements in green development within the Yangtze River Economy Belt and approaches used to accomplish them? Of course. Um, yeah, I think we have just discussed uh, some of the achievements and contribution of the YEB in green development, uh, such as the improvement of its uh, eco-efficiency, uh, the increase of its green development index, and also the enhancement of its green technological innovation. Um, I think the YEB has achieved this green you know, great development outcomes uh, by adopting various policies and measures, uh, including but not li uh, limited to, you know, the three action, uh, the three action plan that we just mentioned, uh, which aims to uh, promote the green and sustainable development of the zone uh, by protecting the ecological environment and also transforming the industries. Great insights. Thank you very much for your time. That was Jiang Changming, Professor Thanks of so University much, of International Business and Economics for us. And now we're heading for a short break. Still to come on the program. Slowing growth. Global GDP growth is projected to stagnate at 2.4% in 2024, while global inflation is estimated to reach 3.9%, says a new report from a UN body. The world economy as we know it is about to change. Global business reports highlight emerging markets, developing countries, and dynamic sectors worldwide. We feature top analysts and newsmakers to provide perspectives on every facet of business. From an on-the-ground perspective, we provide you with balanced and objective assessments. Fast, sharp, and insightful. Global business. 
only on CGTN. Global economic growth is projected to slow down in 2024, according to the UN World Economic Situation Prospects 2024 report. The report identifies several factors that pose risks to global growth, including weakening global trade, high borrowing costs, elevated public debt, low investment, and geopolitical tensions. Developed economies, including the United States, are expected to experience a deceleration in their economic growth. This is attributed to factors such as high interest rates, slowing consumer spending, and weaker labor markets. The report also projects the global inflation will decline to 3.9% in 2024. However, it warns of elevated price pressures in many countries and the potential for renewed increases in inflation due to geopolitical conflicts. Partnering with Chinese EV giants is a crucial aspect of the Tunisian government's strategy to put more clean energy vehicles on the roads of the African country. And they've set up an ambitious goal to bump the number of EVs by 250 times within just three years. Our Adnan Chawachi reports. Tunisia's government is hopeful of boosting the fortunes of its electric vehicle manufacturing industry and reduce the fuel import bill while also lowering the market's overall emissions. Authorities have introduced a direct stimulus granting around $3,500 until the end of 2025 to encourage consumers to purchase electric vehicles. The state-run National Agency for Energy Management is one of the main stakeholders in charge of implementing the ambitious electric mobility projects and stimulating the growth of the country's electric vehicle industry. Tunisia is aiming to keep up with the latest global developments in the electric mobility market. The state is encouraging motorists to increase adoption of electric cars by offering incentives to companies to install charging stations and adopt transport regulations. The local startup Baco Motors is a pioneer in the design and manufacture of electric vehicles in Tunisia. The company is one of the first beneficiaries of the state support for the promotion of clean mobility. We have found concrete support from the Tunisian state. VAT has been lowered from 19% to 7%. The company benefits from the tax-free advantage on customs duties for manufactured spare parts. The integration rate is more than 50% at this factory. The president of the Tunisian Chinese Parliamentary Commission is optimistic that the electric vehicle industry in the North African country could be developed by boosting cooperation with giant companies in China. Tunisia needs to boost its partnership with China by offering incentives to Chinese companies to set up EV factories in our country and to launch new industrial zones dedicated to electric car makers. Tunisia recently inaugurated its first electric vehicle charging station powered by solar panels. A 22-kilowatt recharging point will be used by the National Agency for Energy Management. The pilot project also includes storage batteries. According to industry department data, there are less than 200 electric vehicles in Tunisia, which are mainly operated by foreign companies. Authorities say the aim is to increase that number to 50,000 by 2025 and 140,000 by 2030. Aden Shawishi, CGTN, Tunis. And now we're heading for another short break. Still to come on the program.
Integrated development. The Chinese central government's plan to integrate urban and rural development has prompted farmers to explore new sales models like live streaming to expand their market presence. We are all connected across borders, across continents. Connected by ideas, a shared humanity. Stay connected. In our special series today, we shift our focus to the integrated development of urban and rural areas. During China's annual Central Economic Work Conference in December, significant emphasis was placed on agriculture, rural areas, and farmers. The conference highlighted the urgent need to advance integrated development between rural and urban areas. One proposed measure includes enabling the two-way flow of production factors, such as labor and entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship, a crucial production factor, is seamlessly transforming between urban and rural areas in China thanks to the country's advanced digital infrastructure. The highly digitalized landscape has enabled the use of e-commerce live streams to promote a wide range of products from cosmetics to sportswear. Our correspondent Zhang Shixuan brings us more on this trend. Many of you may have bought things from a virtual store owned by a certain brand or an e-commerce company. But what makes my purchases different this time is the produce all came directly from the farms. The orange from the Meishan city in Sichuan province, around 2,000 kilometers away from Shanghai. The apple from Luochuan County in Shanxi province have traveled more than 1,500 kilometers. These raisins from Xinjiang almost 4,000 kilometers drive away. I made all these orders while watching live streams by farmers. And their down-to-earth style has turned out to be pretty popular with people in China's big cities. Many of the buyers come from Guangzhou, Shanghai, Guangdong, Liaoning, Sichuan, Shanxi, Henan, Beijing, Gansu, Henan, Hunan, and Zhejiang. The first orders come from Sanya in Hainan. Not to mention how happy the farmers turned live streaming hosts are. During the entire talk, his smile and laughter never went away. Known as Xiao Mai to his 60,000 followers, this great farmer from Xinjiang has a good reason to smile. Sales are through the roof. I started hosting e-commerce live stream in October 2022. At that time, I got plenty of unsettable raisins due to COVID. But just a month after joining e-commerce live stream, more than 30 tons of raisins were all sold out. I even helped the farmers in neighboring village sell their raisins. We were getting 5,000 to 6,000 orders every day. His sales started to take root and sprout during the pandemic, but it's now become a full-time business, as it's created a new profitable way to make the deals that cut off the middleman. I sell raisins in my live stream at 19 yuan per 500 grams. 9 yuan is for express delivery. The rest of 10 yuan all goes to the farmer. But if there's a dealer, the dealer pays only 5 or 6 yuan per 500 grams to us for the raisins. And then they sell it at 20 to 30 yuan per 500 grams. He's no longer just selling his own produce. He's helped more than 100 farmers with their sales. Once I helped the farmer sell 10 times of dried red dates, I also helped another farmer. 
In 15 days, his mushroom covering a land of 300 mu was sold out. Then other farmers get to know me. All these farmers had their revenues double or triple last year, Xiaomai said, and he is just one of the more than 110,000 farmers that have joined e-commerce app Taobao to become a live stream host. Together, producing more than three million streams. We have conducted training to help hosts develop their own style, and those who meet our requirements and certain quality can get cash bonuses and viewership promotion. And it seems not just a matter of online promotions; it's also critical to get the products to all the people who want it, because profit margins are thin for farmers. It's crucial to bring down transport costs. I visited a cold chain logistics center in Shanghai to see how it's managed. This is a huge distribution center. The sound you can hear is machines moving parcels around. Every day, more than 800 tons of goods are transferred through here. All goods first traveled here through main routes and will then be sent out to nearby places in the Yangtze River Delta region. The transport cost on main routes between provinces is roughly one yuan per kilogram, and the cost is largely lowered within the special development regions. For example, if you transport three kilograms of beef and mutton directly from Inner Mongolia to Shenzhen, it would cost nearly 70 yuan. But with the new model, using these shipping hubs, the cost is kept below 25 yuan. It's an almost two-thirds drop compared with direct delivery. For smaller farm owners, there are also new solutions, thanks to the rise of e-commerce live streaming. In a village growing apples in Shanxi, for example, there could be three to five live stream hosts. Together, their produce could fill up a 9.6 meter long truck directly heading to the distribution center in Shanghai. That removes the need for three or four smaller trips. Here, you can easily find some parcels with products from rural areas. Every day, one third of express deliveries in China go to or come from rural areas. For farmers in agricultural regions, faster, cheaper, and new ways of transport have allowed them to turn their crops into profitable products for urban foodies. As of the end of 2023, SF Express helped ship out over 4.5 million tons of agricultural goods from rural areas, covering more than 6,000 types of fresh food. The delivery time of each parcel has now shortened by half a day on average. Zhang Shixuan, ICS for CTTN, Shanghai. And now for more discussions on China's integrated development between rural and urban areas, we're joined by Chen Long, an assistant professor at the Beijing University of Technology. Thank you for joining us, Professor Chen. So, what do you see as the primary challenge in integrating urban and rural areas? Thanks, Guanxing. I think one of the biggest challenges in the integration of urban and rural areas is balancing the pace and manner of the development. And in the process of urbanization, the cities often attract a significant amount of resources and population, potentially leading to the outflow of resources and talent from rural areas, and also this exacerbating the issue of imbalanced urban-rural development. And one challenge of integration lies in ensuring that the rural areas are not neglected while allowing the cities to sustain their growth. However, despite these challenges, I think、uh, the integration of cities and rural areas also brings opportunities and complementary advantages. For example, through the collaboration,、uh, resource sharing, and industrial、uh, complementarity, a more sustainable and balanced development can be achieved in China.、Mm. Well. 
protecting farmland has always been a priority for China. How can environmental degradation and shift of land use towards economically beneficial purposes be prevented? Well, like you said, the urbanization of rural areas in China may, to some extent, diminish the original advantage in villages. Like you said, the the environment and the uh, change of land use. And the key to avoiding this situation lies in the sustainable development and the comprehensive planning. Uh, for example, first, the strict environmental protection policies uh, need to be implemented during the urbanization process to ensure the rational land use and environmental preservation. And this may include limiting the pollutant emissions, enhancing the land use planning, and promoting the use of renewable energies and green technologies. And also, secondly, uh, emphasis should be placed on preserving uh, the culture and the communities in rural areas and respecting the and safeguarding the traditional culture and historical heritages and community structures of the rural areas. And what role does the government play in promoting coordinated development during the integration of urban and rural areas? I think the a wise decision making in planning and policy implementation by the government is very essential to facilitate uh, the balanced development between urban and rural areas. For example, uh, formulating the reasonable land use policies, uh, investing in rural infrastructures, uh, supporting the upgrading of rural industries are uh, all very important to ensure the balanced and sustainable development in both urban areas and rural areas. And how can a social safety net be guaranteed for new urban residents? Uh, concerning the social safety net, I think we should uh, focus more on the migrant workers, uh, for example, the delivery guys, uh, those employed in emerging industries and flexible workers, or also those individuals engaged in self-employment, uh, let them to enjoying the same social benefits as urban enterprise employees, achieving the dual migration of individuals, both individuals and the social safety. Uh, so I heard that some of the cities has already began the initiative, so-called the social safety entering the city, uh, to aiming to benefit those migrant workers, encourage them to actively participate in uh, the enterprise employee pension insurance, and also the government should focus more on their children's enrollment, uh, the affordable housings and medical services to ensure the protection of rights and interest is crucial, providing accessible channels for safeguarding their rights. Great insight. Thank you very much. And there was a Chen Tong, assistant professor at the Beijing University of Technology for us. And that's all for this edition of Global Business on CPTN. Thank you for being with us. I'm Guan Xing in Beijing.